2: In this podcast we look at the defeat of West Brom, look ahead at Reading and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown Podcast and this is all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod.
1: ...support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the trackball!
3: Abinelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abinelli spots out. Emerson!
2: Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast with Tom and Dana this week. Uh, No Johnny this week, as he is on a tour of a sparkling water factory, so he'll be back for the next podcast. But yesterday, Borough's winning run was halted at the Hawthorns by West Brom. Borough losing 2-0 to two goals from Daryl Deke. Dana, you were there yesterday. How are you feeling after the defeat against West Brom?
0: Not too different to last week, to be honest. Obviously, it's not good to go to... And we ground for the first time and not win, although given the fact that I'd said that Borough were unbreakable last week, I probably should have expected it. We were probably due a defeat, to be fair, but there wasn't really anything that redeeming about that away that day. Obviously, we didn't have anything to celebrate, unfortunately, but I'm not too downbeat about it. I think spirits are very much still high. Obviously, last week we were incredibly positive and I still feel the same. You know, I still really enjoy watching this team with the exception of yesterday, but we'll get on to that. And I still really like this this setup that we've got, and I still believe that we can get promoted this season. So, yeah, my, my opinion hasn't really changed too much, although it isn't great that we've lost, because we haven't really been used to this over the past couple of weeks. But, you know, it is what it is. It's sort of as you were for me.
2: Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. I mean, as much as yesterday's game wasn't an easy one to watch, uh, we were still playing the same way. We've played fantastically over the last five games and it was probably going to happen at some point. It's just a shame it happened in a way day at West Brom where there was nothing really not, nothing really good about that that mm. game at all. Uh, but we also got Johnny to share his thoughts before he left to go to the sparkling water factory.
3: So Bora lost uh, 2-0. Um, how am I feeling about it? To be honest, I was quite impressed actually with West Brom uh, yesterday um, for a number of different reasons and I thought they were thoroughly deserving of the win yesterday um, and how they set up and how they were able to have formation rotations and have some really fluid strategies um, going into the game yesterday how were they able to control the game with 30% possession firstly I think obviously game state going 2-0 down um, after 10 minutes, really does help them uh, in their mission, trying to nullify Borough. And, you know, we could have went out there and been really aggressive uh, in the game uh, after that two goals, but we weren't. Um, they just really nullified us throughout. And what really really interests me about uh, West Brom is just their use of formation rotation and the use of like their defending strategies of, you know, delay, deny, uh, dictate and defend um, when you're outnumbered as well. So like those four phases of defensive play, um, were really perfect for them yesterday. And you know, the fluidity of how they were able to play in a four, two, three, one. Um and that in itself, you know, it gives you a, a double bit it gives you a, a really solid base with the double pivot. You know, it allows wide rotations, you know, it covers your, your full backs when you need to if they were able to push up. But also it controls the central spaces and that's how they were probably able to really dictate the game yesterday in, in in my opinion but for me like that 4 itself it provides like a really good staggered defensive presence and like when you're in like that mid and low blocking itself and making it hard to you know like try to penetrate the, the thirds or try to through the lines it really does give you that stability and that's why you're seeing so many teams utilize that formation probably a few seasons ago but also you see really good teams now use that 4 to help have that fluidity Uh, through the phases, and I feel like through the phases yesterday, I found like some little key things which I thought was really cool and and interesting from them. Although they were trying to play a 4-2-3-1 at times, their defensive structure started um, in something a little bit different when we had a goal kick, Um, and that started in a a uh, 4-3-2-1 formation when Stefan had the ball. Uh, DK was the central player, and he was able to try and cut off a line between Smith and McNair. You also had Jed Wallace and Dean Garner as those two players just in front of the midfield three of, of Swift, um, Malongu, and I'm trying to remember the last name, but anyway, um, the midfield three in itself. And how that kind of looked was, you know, it tried to force Millsborough long and also made it really difficult for us to, to play out because their aim really was to try and solidify that centre space. But as it obviously came into that as well, um, what I did notice, you know, in that 4-3 2-1 shape it's kind of like a deny phase because you try and stop the ball coming into tuber and you try and, and you try and cause an error on that either right hand side or on the left hand side or whenever Borough are trying to build up they're just trying to deny Mills we're playing through the thirds and um, but what I would say about Borough in, in those moments is that we actually are a really good size of playing through that initial first phase because we have multiple ways of doing it so if we were to do that, um, they were able to change shape ever so slightly. Um, if we were to quickly do that, and uh, they would still be in that four-three-two-one shape. But if we were able to play through, and if we did play through at a time, they would shift to a four-four-two formation, like in, in in the defensive transition, and that in itself like delays quite a lot of you know it tries to delay Mills because if you are transitioning in. A 4-4-2 is a really good formation because it's really simple. It enables you to be compact. It keeps your shape. And the transition quickly to do that is really good. Um, and you see Swift move on to that left-hand side. And wherever the ball was, you would see the the defense, uh, the midfielder shift into that. Uh, so say if it was um, on, the, on the left-hand side of play, you'd obviously see uh, Swift moved to that left wing role, and, uh, and then you'd have um, Dean Garner plays like a central forward with Darrell DK and then also from there you would probably shift even more. But if Mills were like were able to get through that that, that third of the four four two and go on the defensive third, you would see them shift into a four five one, and that's where you kind of see all of the rotations really shift completely. And then that was made it really difficult, and also for them to create so many significant numeral advantages in the box at times there was. You know there was eight or nine players in the box uh, for West Bromwich Albion, and Mills only had like three or four players. And obviously, you're not going to get the, the the probably offensive presence that like you want at times. And for me, I thought West Brom just defended really well across all the thirds of the pitch. They nullified space, they stopped us from playing uh, through the thirds at times, and also they just limited us to long range efforts and. To an extent where we couldn't really get near the central of the goal to really create an opportunity, but one really key thing that I'm quite disappointed that we didn't do is probably play the long diag. Because if a team is really compact in that shape and not have that width of you know the of the the probably the half space at, at maximum, and um, with us not being able to do that, um, they were uh, we. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to do that but then also with that you know if we were to play the long ball um, in the diagonal phase you know you try and pull players out and you just try and pin them back and get them out of shape a little bit quicker but our tempo was off you know the game state in itself you know we looked a bit shocked um, 2-0 down and also we didn't really try and play to our strengths as much as we did but I think it's all credit to West Brom. I thought they were really really good uh, yesterday and they were thoroughly deserved three points. I have no complaints. but Carl Carbone has, has done a really good tactical number, in his tweaks and the way that they were able to press and aggressively do so it was really impressive and really cool to to watch. Now that I've watched the game back ever so slightly, and it was painful, but when you take it as like a as like an independent view, it was really interesting to watch them play and they're really well coached. So disappointing result for us. Not the end of the world, but they were a good side. And is it the end of the world? And is it going to be the The way that teams play against us, I don't think so because different teams have different strengths and weaknesses. So it's not really you finding someone out. It was just a case of they beat us on the day. They were really good in defensive transition, nullified space, and the game state of being 2 0 really helped them in the early stages. But guys, have a great pod. I'll speak to you soon.
2: Cheers for that, Johnny. And now, looking at this week, it, it's all about twos this week. It's been all about threes for the last few weeks, you know, successive 3-1 wins. There's been other things around threes uh,
0: as Your 30th well. birthday.
2: Yeah, don't need reminding of that, Dana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that actually well, this... might be the, the third time in a row that we've mentioned that. Oh, <laughs> so, so we are keeping with the threes. No, it isn't. <laughs> but,
2: it isn't. um. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going with twos this week. Anyway, it was two goals in two minutes from Daryl uh, which gave the Baggies all three points, going back three slightly a little yeah. bit there, uh, at the Hawthorns. But Dana, what was your overall assessment of the performance yesterday?
0: You know what, I thought we were very, very predictable and it was the first time under Michael Carrick that I was bored watching us because it was very clear that we were trying to shift it from right to left and then back to right again but we weren't really penetrating that West Brom back line and that is all credit to West Brom and the way that Corbrand set his team up because he essentially made it boring to watch because he limited the space between the lines which, you know, you think about Ryan McGree and that very fluid role he has he will pick up those pockets in between that defensive and midfield line and we just weren't really seeing that his influence didn't really tell in that game and we had a lot of possession I was looking at Fought Mob earlier and we had 334 passes in West Brom's half which is a massive contrast to their 85 in hours but for all of that sort of pretty possession playing build-up we just didn't really have the answers to their chess match really and and the fact that they basically said to us try to break us down we didn't really have the answer to that and it, it was disappointing I I don't know why Carrick didn't put Dan Balasser on because thinking about that game you know he has the passing range whenever you have problems in midfield trying to break down an attack I do think you look towards a player that can break that uh deadlock and he did help that happen against QPR last week so I think the passing range that Dan Barlasa has he's probably able to do that but we didn't see him which was a massive massive surprise to me I was just yeah I was just really bored um we didn't get Archer in behind we didn't stretch the game we didn't have those runs be made off the board down the right channel in particular and I thought that right side was quite problematic for us of course the two goals came down that um sort of down that area and I think where we see Tommy Smith tuck into a more sort of right sided centre-back position at times did kind of mess us up a little bit because they were able to get in behind they were able to get down those channels and it was just we it was a bit of a crestfallen sort of situation when we're 2-0 down within 10 minutes it was a two gate sorry a two minute period that really decided the game unfortunately and we didn't have the answers to it
2: yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely have to agree with that. I think the the word you said there, predictable, I really kind of picked up on myself. I did think at times yesterday, it was reminding me a little bit of the kind of end times under Wilder last season where we were going mm-hmm. right to left. Had a lot of possession, but weren't kind of really doing much with it. I mean, we, we did look a lot more positive than that yesterday, so I don't want to compare it exactly to last but it, it did seem like they packed out the middle areas and just made it very hard for us to kind of do anything of note with, with the ball. And and I was probably equally as surprised that we didn't see Balassie yesterday. Um, I, I th- think, you know, we did make some changes trying to affect the game, but mm. maybe not necessarily the right ones. I, th- I think I understand putting Crooks on and, you know, Putting Jones and, and and Ramsey on trying to affect the game as well, but just think maybe in that middle area we we could have done with something uh, a little bit extra.
0: Yeah, I think with Crooks as well when he came on he was playing in those sort of right sided areas which was a surprise to me because I thought get the ball in the box and that isn't me saying because he's tall because that's not really his strength it's more that he's a he's he's decent at poaching so I was thinking try to get the ball into the box as much as he can, and we kind of didn't. I mean, in the whole of the game, Ryan Giles had uh, 16 crosses by far the most of any player of both sides, but an expected assists number of 0.2, which is incredibly low. I think the deliveries, both from open player and from set pieces, again, our corners were really poor. It just it just wasn't a good day at the office for us, unfortunately. And, you know, we are usually... Great scorers under Michael Carrick. I think I believe that's the second time now that we've blanked under him. So it's very difficult for a team to stop us from scoring. And I just want to mention what my baggy's friend uh, Ben said. I just want to read this out. Get this. Um, so he said our keeper situation is a huge issue. Button can't play anymore, which is a very diplomatic way of saying shit. Uh, Griffiths just doesn't instil any confidence in the defence. We've gone from keeping so many clean sheets to just in none so thanks for the um you know thanks for that Ben clean sheet there for you then he said DK just isn't scoring slash contributing there's two goals for DK and then he said just can't see how we keep you out so we need to score two probably three just to get anything and there we are borough blank so thanks for that Ben
2: could you give him a message back and just ask him what the lottery numbers aren't going to be in a, in a couple of days' time so we can just we, we can put, put some lottery tickets on ourselves, Mystic try and Mike. reverse jinx that <laughs> looking at the um the team selection yesterday, Carrick made two changes going into the game with Housman and Force coming back in. Do you think he was maybe looking for the you know the tried and tested there? Um, you know, the changes from from QPR or do you think he would maybe set up with, with those two coming back in for a different purpose.
0: No, I think, I mean, I was expecting the changes to to sort of be restored. I even said to Ben, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Ramsey's dropped, Force comes back in and we sort of revert back to the side that served us so well previously. So I think that game against QPR was just rotation, keeping things fresh. A lot of teams in the Championship do seem to be waning a little bit in their energy levels. I think Sunderland are one of them, thankfully, Get in. um but you know I think it's probably the time now where you do start to see teams become a little bit frail in their in their energy output we saw it with ourselves last season when we played Sheffield United we just looked goosed I remember saying that on that particular pod so I think it was probably just for rotational purposes but I was happy to see the you know force come back in in particular what surprised me was Paddy McNair because I thought, you know, the rotation of both him and Fry, we usually see somebody a little bit more technically gifted, should we say, come up against Paddy McNair, and then Fry will deal with the the sort of physicality, the <clears throat> the the number nines that are a a big physical problem and presence so I was a bit surprised that Fry wasn't in because I think DK is definitely not just a one-trick pony he's not just you know the the sort of physical presence up front you know he's got a little bit more about him as well but I just thought it was probably a better matchup against Fry than McNair but I'm looking at the goals and thinking they didn't come from necessarily those sorts of aerial duel situations so it kind of is what it is there but I was happy to see the changes. It's just unfortunate that they didn't get us the win.
2: Yeah, I definitely have to agree with the whole uh, Fry McNair debate. I, I think when when you're bringing in Fry like rotationally to deal with like Ollie McBurnie at Sheffield United, it just seems a no-brainer that you'd, you'd bring him in to, to deal with DK as well. I mm-hmm. think the only striker physically I've ever seen Dill Fry not you know, do particularly well against was Lukaku last season in the FA Cup and i think that's understandable considering Carlton
0: Morris as well honestly
2: yeah there i think there there is probably that as well i've uh, just gone off off me on it there but um yeah it's uh it seems like it might have been a, a better decision to go with Fry yesterday. I thought he did all right when, when he came on going up against DK. It, it was interesting that DK was just hitting the deck quite a lot when they were 2 0 mm-hmm. up and wasn't really holding off defenders anymore uh, mm-hmm. when he'd, he'd forced McNair to go off. Uh, but speaking of DK, two goals in two minutes yesterday. On the subject of the second goal, there was a lot of people talking about it on Twitter. But do you think Zach Stefan can do better there?
0: You know what, my immediate reaction to that when I saw it go in, I thought Stefan should be doing better there. And I have seen people say that, you know, it was a shot at a point blank range. I'm sorry, that's not a point blank range. The follow up, where obviously DK converts it, that's point blank range. But I, I don't know, I just feel like he plants his foot into the ground when he makes that save. So much so that I think his momentum's very much <laughs> stuck in the ground and that it's, his reaction maybe is a little bit delayed from that. But I mean, the goal itself, it starts from a, a long punt upfield from from the goalkeeper Griffiths. Very difficult to say that. Griff, Griffiths, there's just too much going on there for me, for my tongue. But um, you know, McNair heads it back out and we're sort of in a central midfield position. And there's some really good build-up player really intricate passing from West Brom I do have to say but then Daryl Lenehan half commits himself to DK I think our defensive shape is a bit of a messier to be fair and then DK plays a nice give a go with Jed Wallace DK then as Wallace finds Swift on the left of McNair about 10 yards out from our 18 yard box makes a run beyond Lenahan and gets between both him and Giles and Tom a question for you out of the whole West Brom team, which two players do you not want to give any license to create to?
2: Uh, that'd be Jed Wallace and John Swift.
0: And which two players did Boren give license to create to? Uh,
2: I think that would be Jed Wallace and John Swift.
0: Exactly. So that was really disappointing because we're, we're essentially giving their two most creative outlets through passing the ability to get a very good striker in Darke in behind and then of course what happens happens he, when you have a a uh, sort of attacking that position where you've got a defender that's got between two defenders. You want to sort of narrow that gap and and put them off as much as you can. And Charles and does that, but it's a rather tame effort, I have to say, from DK. There's not much power or conviction behind it as such. But obviously, as I said, Steph has sort of plants his foot into the ground and then he's not really able to react in time to to try to get that rebound but yeah I mean after the first one I don't know whether it was picked up but Borough fans were very supportive of the team you know we were singing Super Michael Carrick incredibly loudly and then I think about a minute and 30 seconds later we went and conceded again so it's sort of like the the sort of balloon has burst there in the wind and it was quite subdued from then on but the first goal was the same, you know, affording key players space. It was Jed Wallace that obviously supplied Darrell DK for the first goal. There was a suspicion of offside for me, but I think having seen it back, I think he's he's onside. And again, you know, that right channel where we do see Tommy Smith usually is, you know, he's very good. But I thought he had a poor game yesterday, and they were getting into those really dangerous advantageous positions. And then when you've got players like John Swift and Je- uh, John Swift and Jed Wallace you know, they're going to punish him more times than not. And I think the game was unfortunately sold up from there because from then on, their game plan was spot on and Borough didn't really look like breaching that back line.
2: Yeah, and I think just uh, to pick up on the whole John Swift and Jed Wallace thing there, I think shortly before the first goal, I actually heard on the commentary that Jed Wallace had stayed down after a tackle kind of further up the pitch. And I was like... Please be this. Please be this scenario where he's going to go off injured, and they're just going to lose this creative force. <laughs> and just unfortunately, that that really didn't happen. But like mm-hmm. you say, I think those those two goals gave West Brom the platform to to go on and and, and win it for sure. How do you think we West Brom were able to stop? Uh, Borough from Blaine yesterday.
0: I think it's like what, what I said and what Johnny said, it was really compacting the space between the lines so that we couldn't really operate in the areas that we do tend to. And they they did there was one point in the second half where Borough were quite advanced and, you know, we had quite a high line and the play was very condensed in West Brom's half and you could tell that what their game plan was there's you know there's a very negative perception about parking the bus thanks to Jose Mourinho probably but it worked for them so I have to say fair play I can't really complain about the result because the way that West Brom performed the way that they nullified us in closing down the space in basically putting two walls between Bora and the goal, there's so many times where you look back at the game, and I've seen a few clips on Wisecout Scout uh, this morning where you've got Aaron Ramsey coming on the pitch. He tries to look for a, a way to try to like sort of thread a ball through, just something to be able to unlock the door. It's completely shut off. Turns around, goes back to Hayden Hackney. He does the same, tries to play that forward pass that we usually see Hayden Hackney do. He has to pa- pass back to the defense and. That was the theme of the game, I think, where Borough were just trying to find these these spaces, these runs. But to be honest, as a fan, when I'm watching that sort of game, I'm thinking, right, quicken the tempo. We have such good off-the-ball movement that we are able to take players out of positions and then, you know, be able to sort of take those... Spaces that have been vacated and, and you know, do what we do best to create from it. But we just didn't do that. And that's why I was really disappointed. You know, Cameron Archer had 22 touches in that game, the, the second lowest of anybody that started that match from both sides. So we didn't get him involved in the game. I think Tuba was on 26 touches, so not that far in front of Archer so our key influences were just not influencing the game enough because of the blockage that basically West Brom were putting on that football match being able to really condense the game and and compact their structure which was really good and maybe that's something that we have to keep in mind for upcoming games because Reading will do the exact same thing.
2: Yeah, on, on that point, we had a, a question coming from Steve who said, do you think this game and last week against QBR have given teams a blueprint on how to nullify us? I suppose against QBR last week, it's it's to a lesser extent because they did lose, but they did <laughs> kind of hold out for, for quite a while. W- would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's always... Uh a way to nullify a team and I think with us it's definitely trying to limit the influence and negate the strengths of our key players like McGree, like Atpom like Archer when you take him out of the game as we saw yesterday but I think we should usually have enough in us being the second top scorers in the Championship to break through anyway and I mean we've got somebody on the bench that didn't come off yesterday as I mentioned in Dan Barlasa so that I think should have come on and because he broke the, the, you know, helped break the deadlock against QPR, I think he's the type of player to be able to do that. But it's something to be mindful of, I think. But these low block teams are playing a low block for a reason because I think they'll probably see that and know that Borough have a little tiny potential of weakness to not be able to penetrate a back line. But, you know, we do that more times than not. So I'm not too worried about it, but we'll see. We'll see because teams, I think, know our, uh, our strengths. Mm-hmm. And they probably now know how to negate our our strengths as well and turn it into a bit of a weakness.
2: On a very kind of similar subject, uh, we had a question from Callum Q who said, if teams are going to sit deep and more compact against us and look to play on the break, should we be starting Barlasa more so we can be more creative from deep positions and unlock the defence? Obviously, we already know your thoughts on that, and I would tend to agree as well. But just to kind of uh, switch that question up a little bit, if you're looking at starting Barlasa more, who would you look to take out of that centre-midfield partnership?
0: It's difficult, is it? I think, firstly, I probably wouldn't start him. I'd, I'd definitely bring him off the bench. But in conversation about starting him, or oh, I think you've got to probably say Johnny Housing. But it's tough either way because... We have seen them two play really well together and they complement each other incredibly well, both Housen and Hackney, but I just don't think they had a great game yesterday. Just on the sort of subject of of the game, I thought their first touches are usually very, very solid and they're able to get each other out of difficult, tight positions. And we see that first touch, really slick, one-touch passing moves, but we just didn't really see it yesterday. It didn't come off. I would probably say Housen for me.
2: Yeah, I'd, I think I'd probably have to agree with that, uh, to be honest. Bit of a talking point later in the game. Paddy McNair took uh, what looked like an elbow to the nose from, from Daryl a bit of a flailing arm while he was trying to trying to hold him off. He got stretched, stretched off, and to be honest, that it looked horrendous. There was blood everywhere. <laughs> like, uh, I've, I mean, I, I've got absolutely... Yeah, you know, no problem. The fact that he was uh, stretched off uh, af- after that, he he didn't look like he knew where he was. Do you think we could have had a case for a red card there?
0: I didn't actually see it. All I saw was DK having a Paddy mccaw esque run through our entire defense into the box. I've looked at it on my scout, but for some reason they don't have replays, so I only saw the the sort of first look of it. I don't know if there's malicious intent there. Um, I don't know if you saw a replay, Tom, whether you could sort of give me a better insight than what I saw because I didn't actually see it at the time. I didn't know why Paddy McNair went down, but I, I don't know whether there was intent there from DK. I didn't really see a replay.
2: I don't think there was intent from what we saw on the replays. I genuinely think he was trying to hold the ball off and it was just kind of clumsy that he did that Mm. it it didn't look like he'd like intentionally like swung his elbow back uh into mcnair's face but the injury like i say looked horrendous just no wonder that that paddy mcnair was stretched off after it because
0: i haven't even seen any pictures of it either it's almost like it didn't happen to me i don't know what's going on it's like this like blackout
2: oh honestly i think you'd have to like put the pictures in black and white and stuff for yeah. you know for for how bad it was. Um like I said I don't think there was any intent, but there was a lot of conversation after the game where it was like if there was VR in the championship, you, you know, because the ref would have let that goal stand had he scored. And so mm. if I, if there was VR in the championship, that would have had to have been looked at and potentially there could have been a red card there. But I'm not to shoe myself, like I say, I-, I couldn't see any intent there. Um, but it was a pretty horrific uh, facial injury. And uh, I think if I'd have seen that in the Premier League and that had caused a red card, I really wouldn't have been surprised.
0: Mm, I, think, I think for me, incidents like that, I think it is about intent. And if it, if it didn't look like that was his intention, then... I don't know, I kind of feel like it's it's just one of those where it's he's tried to hold the ball up and, you know, he's just elbow Paddy McNair straight in the nose. I don't know, it's 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 a sort of fine line, isn't it? But I think intent is really important. If it didn't look like he intended that, then, yeah, I don't think there's much of a conversation to be had, to be honest. But as I said, I didn't see a replay. I only saw it sort of as it happened in the game. And then when I looked back on Scout, I don't know why Scout doesn't have the replays,
3: and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com ACAST.
2: So moving on now to podcast questions. Uh, every week you get the chance to ask us a question, whether that's through our social media channels, email or our Telegram chat. Uh, whereas I'm sure Johnny says, every week you know, we speak about everything other than football. There. Uh, although there has been quite a bit of football chat there recently. So, um, yeah, that, that's definitely been, <laughs> been a bit of an improvement. Um, first question there from Borough and Matt. If offered Stefan for ten million at the end of the season, what would you do? Would you take it, negotiate, or pass?
0: Pass. Ten million? No, no chance.
2: Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree with that. I mean, potential for negotiation? Do you think, or do you think end of the season we try and find someone else who can kind of fit the system uh, a bit better?
0: Mm, I don't maybe, know. It's to be better,
2: in... can do better.
0: Yeah, I, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because. I think there are a lot of goalkeepers out there that play the way that Stefan does. This isn't a new introduction to football and we do see a lot more goalkeepers now playing with the ball uh, at their feet and having the responsibility to not only play sweeper but to essentially be an additional outfield player, if you like. So I don't know if it'll be necessarily difficult to identify one, but obviously bringing one in might be a little bit, (laughs) <laughs> more difficult I mean there's Michael Cooper at Plymouth who is injured at the moment but I think he's a very very good goalkeeper who probably will play in the Premier League at some point very very soon so there's one potential option with Stefan I mean I do quite like Stefan and you know I think we've defended him lot on this pod but for 10 million I'm just I'm not I'm just not I, I'm no not for me 10 million not for me
2: yeah, I think it'd be a bit of an expensive sign, and if we were going to try and get him permanently, obviously there was mm-hmm. a, a brief rumor of that in January, but we never really heard anything more than that. And just on on the subject there, we mentioned Michael Cooper. We obviously were looking in our pre-season transfer pods at goalkeepers who would fit that kind of uh, fit that kind of mould. Michael Cooper came up. I uh, know I'd suggested Liam Kelly in our chats, who's playing up in Motherwell. There are keepers out there who can do it, it, but I don't think any of us would ever ever seen Zach Steffen signing. I think we were looking at signings that we thought were realistic at the time and that, you know, we wouldn't have ever expected that. So it's, you know, we we do have a good goalkeeper there. You know, he he does fit the mould of what we want to do and how we want to play out from the back and stuff. It's just, it would be very expensive uh, to get him on a permanent and then, second question from Ted: Do you think Carrick's calm demeanour also means that we start some games slowly, uh, such as today, Sheffield United and QPR? I
0: don't know if it's necessarily Carrick's calm demeanour. I don't really, un- I don't really know what uh, what the issue is. Unfortunately, I mean, if we take the West Brom goal, it's just sloppy from our defence, allowing the space in behind, and then Sheffield United, it's just a long. Throw that catches us out, and I think probably Daryl Lenahan's also a little bit um suspect for, for that Ollie McBurney goal. I don't know, I think it's probably just key moments where Borough are unfortunately just you know, we talk about percentages a lot of that one percent being that one percent better on this podcast. I think unfortunately, in those moments, we're just that one percent worse than usual. But as I said, and, and you know, I'll reiterate in regards to our goal scoring exploits, we are usually, with the exception of yesterday and the and game, very good at scoring goals. So we are always in gi- in danger just because football works like this sometimes of not scoring and then therefore sort of giving ourselves a, an uphill battle, really, and, and we did that yesterday. But I don't necessarily think it's Carrick's calm demeanour that's, that's causing these slow starts, and I wouldn't necessarily think that the slow starts are, are too much of an issue. They haven't been, really, you know, with five victories on the spin before this, so maybe it's one to keep an eye on, but I don't really think it's it's so much of Carrick's calm demeanour.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we went a goal down yesterday, personally, I was sat there thinking, it's alright, because we'll score three now. Like it, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, happen- it's happened before, uh, and then when that second goal went in, you know, what, 90 seconds later, it was just kind of like, right, never seen it from two goals down just yet, but we mm. do still have the potential to uh, to score, so... Maybe this is the time we see it. Obviously, it wasn't. But, um, you know, we're up against Carlos Corcoran, who I don't think we ever really seem to have too much luck against, barring that, that, you know, decent win at Huddersfield last season. Was it Wilders' first win, that one?
0: it was yeah they were a mess I remember looking at their forum that day and they were all saying Corb ran out this is a an embarrassment we're going to get relegated and then look at them a few months later like five months later they got into the championship playoff finals that's weird well I, you know just a point of what you mentioned there when obviously being in the wind yesterday when we went two goals down obviously you you gutted because it is uh you know, you, you're sort of trying to climb a mountain there, getting back into the game. But I'm quite a pessimistic fan at times. And when Borough do find themselves in those situations, you know, like Cardiff, for example, earlier on in the season where we conceded three goals in, in one half, I usually tend to think, right, game over, that's it. Like, that's the opinion that I have. And I don't blame anybody for sort of thinking that yesterday. But I sort of had a very different opinion. And I was quite calm, much like how Carrick is. And I thought, We'll be fine. We'll still be fine. If we get one goal back, um, I'll be pretty confident. But unfortunately, in the second half, we had that very lengthy break uh, where Paddy Mineo obviously was gushing blood straight out of his nose, which for <laughs> what you said wasn't a particularly great sight. And I think that just sort of took the um, took the sting out of the game for for not you know not only West Brom obviously they were on the attack at that point or just before that point but for Borough as well so those stoppages never help but I, I will say I hope Paddy McNair is okay um I've had some monster nose nosebleeds although not you know elbows straight in the nose but they're not nice and um yeah hopefully his nose is in one piece
2: oh that was great time and there's been an ice cream van just outside so Literally, the, the only time this has ever happened, and it would be mid-recording the pod.
0: So... <laughs> I think I caught the last bit of that, actually, that little chime at the end. Oh, we got oh, an ice cream van.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd be out there right now if we weren't recording. But
0: um... <laughs> Wait, wait, but why is an ice cream van out on the 26th of February?
2: I have no idea. Probably just to disrupt this pod, to be honest. <laughs> <'cause>... <laughs> like I say, I never see it's... ice cream vans on this street. <laughs>
0: It's literally still winter. Like, pack up and go home. (laughs) Come back in June.
2: Oh, what Simon! Going to move on to the praising place in a second, where we won't be giving praise to uh, an ice cream banner or an ice (laughs) float. But (laughs) before we do that, I just want to give a quick shout out to our fundraiser for MNDA. Check this morning i would just given pages up to 90 percent of the three thousand pound target that we we have for the uh the mnd from fund- fundraiser it's obviously a great charity really close to our hearts on the podcast so we definitely recommend anyone to donate whatever you can to the fundraiser and and you know help help people suffering with uh awful disease moving on to the and place which is the place that we give praise to i'm going to you know, I'm, I'm trying to attempt what Johnny says there, but I, I would always get tongue tied. When... <laughs> yeah, we'll give praise to Dana's pink hair and a nice flake 99. <laughs> so, Dana, who, if anyone, is in the and place for you this week? Mr. Whippy. <laughs> Ryan Giles.
0: <laughs> I wish. Um, no, I, you know what? It's difficult because I don't think anybody had a great game yesterday. Obviously our possession dominance was very obvious, but I thought we had a poor showing um at the Hawthorne. So I don't really know who I can who I could give praise to. Maybe Aaron Ramsey's cameo. I think there's um, you know, certain qualities of his game that I think he, you know, he looks quite bright, brave, positive, but I think we're clutching really. Give, you know what? I'll give it to my cousin Joe. Um, bumped into Joe before the game, uh, and it was her birth. Uh, it was her daughter's birthday, Carissa. So yeah, I'll give it to to John Carissa. We love uh, bumping into random members of the Malt Bands. So yeah, we're clutching at straws. So I'm going to have to give it to John Carissa.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a bit of a bit of a difficult one to uh, to to pick for this week. Um, like you said, there, there wasn't too much in terms of positives on the pitch, and maybe Aaron Ramsey is the only one who deserves a, a little bit of praise yesterday. I, I think, yeah, probably one of the only positive perform- performances I saw, one of the only other ones, sorry, was you know Akpom trying to get involved when he was on the ball and being quite physical, but I, I think that would be a very kind of like low bar for, for the praise in place this week. So... Mm. Yeah it's it, it's difficult we, we may put Aaron Ramsey in there and um and your cousin as you mentioned and uh, <laughs> Clarissa. <so.
0: laughs> what a great present place this week
2: Yeah it's uh, it, it's not not been uh, too full this week but you know hopefully it will be next week when we welcome Paul ands redden to the riverside the Royals are coming, off, uh, coming to the Riverside Sorry, off the back of a 3-1 win against Blackpool. But we spoke to Alex from the Elm Park, Elm, Elm Park Royals <laughs> podcast to find out more about the Royals this season. Hey, it's Alex
1: from Elm Park Royals here, just to give you a bit of a lowdown on Reading and how our season's been. And basically what you need to look out for next weekend. We're sitting just inside the bottom half, I think as of Sunday morning um, and our season's been okay this season. It's a really odd season to try and analyse because we were expected to finish in the bottom three. No doubt everybody had us to be relegated and yet we've never really ever troubled the the relegation battle this season. We've always been fairly comfortable. We're 13 points, I think, currently off the relegation zone, nine points off the playoffs. We're we're almost the definition of mid-table this season. And that's despite the fact that we've had a, a weird season watching Reading. There's been times when the style of play has been really kind of derided by Reading fans and performances have felt like they've not been that good. And yet at home, we've been excellent, but on the road, we've been really poor. We've only won three times away from home this season so far, yet we've won 10 at home. So it's a, it's a really strange situation watching Reading this season. In terms of key players, Tom Ince is our best player this season. He's been absolutely fantastic. He's got a ninety-minute engine, never stops, and he's he's generally our best creator. We've also had a good performance yesterday in our win against Blackpool from Yakumate, who's not really featured very much this season, but. We changed our formation and our style yesterday. We've generally been playing a five at the back system this season. However, yesterday we went to a four at the back and played four, three, three or four, one, four, one, depending on who asked. With him back in the side, we looked a lot less direct and a lot less long ball, just pumping it to Andy Carroll. And there was a bit more playmaking ability in the side. So if he starts, that will be interesting to see how he does next weekend. However, against Borough, I think it might be a case of going back to a five-at-the-back system next weekend. So Thomas is probably going to be the one to look out for next weekend in terms of chance creation for us. I know Borough obviously lost against West Brom yesterday, so I'm not quite as pessimistic as maybe I would have been beforehand. But I think it's still going to be a really difficult game for Reading. I'd be very surprised if we if we took anything from it. It's going to take a really good performance from us to, to pick up a point, I think. Uh, Burrow flying, you know, so high under Michael Carrick. And I think I'll probably predict a 2-0 loss for um, Burrow to pick up all three points. And that's probably being a little bit optimistic. Uh, on the road has not been a lot of fun following Reading this season.
2: Well, thanks to Alex from El- Elm Park Royals for that. Very pessimistic there. Some key notes on, on Reading. Tommins is top of their scoring and assist chart with nine goals and four assists. And he's also got their highest FOP mob rating this season uh, with 7.28. So that uh, Father, Son, Tommins, and Paulins duo <laughs> working quite well once again. Yaku Mieta, the fan favourite mentioned there in the clip, uh, was unplayable and one of the best wingers in the league, according to some Reading fans. But Dean Busanis, you know, expected to start and goal next week with Joe Lee, unfortunately not eligible to play. Uh...
0: Shade, shady, shade.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we probably should be expecting an Andy Carroll goal because hmm. it always seems to happen. But he's, you know, usually used as as an outlet to hold the ball up and bring Matej uh, Hoylett into the game. And Tommins usually plays in a free roam position to try and bring overloads. We know what Alex thinks of what his score prediction is. Dana, what's your thoughts on the game, and what would your prediction be?
0: I don't think this is going to be a particularly good watch. I do think that they will set up in a low block, much how much like how they did last season. And I, I actually thought last season it was the, obviously the the game where Macross pops up with the with the late double who wins the game for us. I actually thought that in that game, they defended pretty decently. It was just that they tired towards the end. And obviously I Jones did what I Jones was doing very often last season and unlocked the door. But I'm looking at FOTMOB now and Reading averaged the lowest percentage of possession in their games this season, 41.5% rock bottom. So I do think... From what I've seen, what I've heard of Reading, they do like to try to contain the team and then hit them on the counter-attack. And probably with Andy Carroll up front as well, if they do get a corner, they're looking to you know try to get him in decent positions to be able to... Try to score. I mean, a bit on their away form, as Alex alluded to as well. Only Huddersfield have picked up less points on the road than Reading this season. Uh, Eleven points the Royals have acquired on their travels. So, you know what's coming, Tom. You know what's coming. Well, I'm. I'm. No, that's not happening. I've decided that's not happening. So, you know, I think it's going to be a sticky game for Borough. Where we do. See a little bit of similarities between this and the West Brom game, whereby a team will try to compact the match and and try to essentially shut off all of the the key areas of the pitch for us and try to limit our key players. But I do think we will get the job done. We are very good at the Riverside. It's fortress Riverside once more, which I absolutely love and cherish. So I think we I think we'll win. I'm gonna say a one. You no, know, I'm gonna say two nil. But the way that it'll go is it'll be one nil for a while. Reginald tire and we'll get that second really late in the game.
2: I mean, from from my prediction, I think I'm gonna go with four-nil. Don't ask me what? why, but I wanna see some some sort of bounce back from that two-nil loss against West Brom. I I think it's gonna be a, a tough game trying to break them down first. But I think if we can score early and force them to open up a little bit, we can create the chances to 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 score more and Hopefully we can recreate some of the, the higher scoring wins that we've had kind of earlier in the season. Uh, you know, the four-one against Wigan where Akpom got his hat-trick. Really, really want to see Akpom get that 20th as well. Ooh, um yes. you know, yeah. Borough Bur- posted something earlier this week saying, oh, he's part of an elite club now to score 20 in all competitions. And it's just like, yes, yeah, still on 19 in the league though. Like, we just want mm-hmm. him to get that one more league goal. Just uh, to say that he's done it and, you know, we, we've had that, that strike at a hit, 20, 20 league goals again. So 4-0 and I'm going to go with Akpom getting at least one of them.
0: Hopefully. Uh, you know what I was thinking to you, the game yesterday, I was like, it, you know, if Akpom scores in this game, then in a way... I'd much prefer if he didn't and just sort of, you know, score against Reading in front of the Riverside because of somewhat consolation type in a somewhat consolation-type goal in a game that wasn't particularly great for Bora, For that to be the one that gets him 20 league goals would be... Uh, he would take the shine off it a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I want him to to hit 20 league goals at the Riverside. And you know what? I think he can do it. I really do. I think he could do it next week. But, yeah, bold with that prediction. I think I went bold a few it was for the QPR game, wasn't it? And didn't didn't get there. But I think I was close.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think you were. I think at the moment, 3-1 would have been the banker up until yesterday. You know, mm. 3-1 and then maybe I pump a score. And then, you know, as long as I keep betting on it, it'll probably never happen again. So I won't be. Yeah. But,
0: uh... it was, oh, it was Blackpool. It was Blackpool. I said 4-0 and we won 3-0. So, it was, yeah, it was close. I was close.
2: Yeah, very, very close. Hopefully it's not going to be close next week, though. Um, and that is it for today. So thanks for joining us, Dana, as always. And thanks to listeners and, you know, anyone watching us YouTube. Thanks for listening and watching, as always. <laughs> Don't forget to raise us five stars and subscribe on YouTube and podcast providers. It helps us get found by other Borough fans. Borough halted at the Hawthorns yesterday and leaves us looking for redemption against the Royals next week. This was the borough breakdown, and that was all your matchday chatter in the pod up the borough breakdown.